Um, let me tell you a little bit about myself. And in, in the pictures here, you will see me as a probably a third grader. And then the other picture is me and Greg in our very first year of marriage. Now, when I was a young girl, you can see I was really cute, very innocent smile. But don't let that smile fool you. I remember very vividly a time when it was really cold outside and I, my mom dropped me off at the library and then she forgot to come pick me up, so I had to walk home. It was only about a mile, but it felt really far. About two blocks away from home, my mom caught up with me and asked me to get in the car and I said no. I pouted and I was really angry with her for forgetting me. And so then she, um, she just went home without me. As a teenager, I remember a time when I wanted to go spend the night at my cousin's house, and my parents said no. So I got really angry. I stormed out of the house, slammed the door, and the, the window of the door shattered. Um, in my first year of marriage and pretty much the first seven years, I remember just how upset I was with Greg all the time because he couldn't do things right, and right meant my way. Um, so I would actually run out of the room, leave the house, and take walks around the block. And Greg would not know when I was going to come back. Because I've always been a follower of Christ, and I thought I loved God well and that I really cared and loved, for pe loved people, I thought I was doing really well spiritually. And I might have even said that I was a pretty mature believer. But as we're learning through this Emotionally Healthy Relationship series, it's impossible to be spiritually uh, immature. Oh, I'm sorry. It's impossible to be spiritually mature, immature, or relationally immature while remaining. I got to start that over. Sorry about this. It's impossible to be spiritually mature or relationally mature while remaining emotionally immature. And as you can tell from these stories, I was really immature emotionally. So today we're actually going to look at another skill in the Emotionally Healthy Relationship series called Explore the Iceberg. Um, human beings, you and I, are like icebergs. 10% of us is above the waterline, and this is the part that people can see. However, 90% of the iceberg is actually below the surface of the water and is invisible to us. Unfortunately, it's usually also uh, invisible to the person themselves. And most dangerous of all, it's actually these unforeseen, uh, these motivations that are underneath the water, these emotions that are actually what causes people to collide into each other and causes hurt and pain and destruction. My parents and Greg ran into my iceberg, and frankly, none of us, they or I, uh, knew what, hit, what got hit. Uh, but all of us then had to live with the consequences of those collisions. So... Today, we're going to talk about exploring the iceberg. And to, the, to explore the iceberg is to come to know yourself. 
It's to consider your feelings and emotions and your motivations, to be honest with yourself and with others about who you really are. To explore the iceberg, the purpose of it is to become aware of emotions with the goal of processing them and discerning God's will. Let me say that again. The purpose is to become aware of emotions with the goal of processing them and discerning God's will. So emotions are not evil or bad. Some of us have grown up being told that emotions are bad, but they aren't. We find in the Bible, in fact, that God has feelings. He has emotions, some of them very strong. For example, in Genesis 6, verse 6, when humanity had become so corrupt and evil, we are told that God actually was sorry that he had made human beings and that it actually grieved his heart. In Zephaniah 3.17, we read that God delights in his people and he rejoices over them with singing. So God has emotions. And the Bible also tells us about human beings who have emotions. Uh, And frankly, having feelings is a key part of what it means to be humans made in the image of God. So King David is probably the best example of someone who had lots of deep emotions and he wrote about them in the Psalms. Uh, The prophet Jeremiah was actually known as the weeping prophet, or we call him the weeping prophet, because he expressed so much grief and sorrow. Um, And he also penned the book of Lamentations. Jesus, the Son of God himself, also showed uh, emotions. He was filled with sorrow on many occasions. We find him weeping over Jerusalem and weeping at the funeral of his dear friend Lazarus. Uh, We see him getting angry when religious leaders were leading his people astray. And we also see him crying in anguish in the garden before he was crucified. And on the cross, he cried out in anguish. Now, as Tim read earlier in Genesis 4, you could see that emotions are part of the human story from the very beginning. Cain and Abel were actually the third and fourth human beings ever on earth. Uh, They were the two sons born to Adam and Eve. Now, you would think that since there were only two of them, two bros, that they would be really good chums with each other, right? But instead, what we find is that below the surface of their brotherhood, there were some strong emotions, some very deep and dark things that were churning inside of the older brother Cain. And what was he going to do with all of these emotions? So today I want us to look at three truths about emotions. Truth number one, unprocessed emotions don't die. Unprocessed emotions don't die. Now, Cain was angry, which is not a sin, but he was unwilling to look at his anger and to examine it and to deal with it. He didn't talk through it. He didn't get help to understand it. I'm pretty sure that when his brother Abel saw his face and said, um, 
Cain, are you okay? Are you feeling okay? That Cain probably told that lie that all of us have told before. I'm fine. Nothing's wrong, right? Um, And then we see that even God came to Cain and directly brought up this issue of Cain's anger. But we don't see him responding to God at all. We don't see him engaging God in the exploration of what was going on with his, his thoughts and his emotions. We find out that anger did not lessen for Cain. It did not go away. For many of us, we are emotional stuffers, and we sweep our feelings under the rug, but we know that these emotions don't die. They leak out. They, they, they come out sideways. Oftentimes, we bear the um, consequences in our physical bodies. Other times, we have mental health issues. And then sooner or later, these stuffed emotions will leak into our relationships. Because truth number one, unprocessed emotions don't die. Let's go to truth number two. Healthy community requires that people know themselves. Healthy community requires that people know themselves. Now, few, if any of us, will actually kill someone when we're hurt and these strong feelings and emotions take over. But I would guess that many of us, if not all of us, have tried to kill somebody else's reputation, or maybe we've tried to kill their peace, or definitely kill their happiness after they've hurt us. When we don't acknowledge our emotions and then deal with them, we are dangerous people to be around. And when we're around, we're likely to hurt the people around us. My guess is that Abel did not have a clue about how angry his brother was at him. Um, He, since Cain had said, nothing's wrong, I'm okay, that Abel probably took him at his word. Uh, We know this because Abel willingly went with Cain into the field. If he had even been scared, he probably would have said no. Uh, Abel ran into Cain's iceberg, that 90% that neither of them could see, and it cost Abel's life. Cain destroyed his community with his brother because he did not know what was beneath his own iceberg. Because truth number two is healthy community requires that people know themselves. Third and finally, feelings help us discern God's voice. The third truth, feelings help us discern God's voice. How does it do this? Well, in the story of um, here, we see that when Cain became so angry, he actually showed it on his, his face. He became downcast. He was angry, and then he was sorrow. He was uh, sad, and his face was gloomy. And then God came to him and spoke to him. I, I just want to say right now how amazing that would be. Right? That you're having emotions, and then God shows up and actually talks to you. 
That is pretty amazing. And I just lost my earring. Um, well, God came because God knew what was underneath the iceberg. And God wanted to address it with Cain. Now, in the first reading, you might look and think, wow, God seems to come to scold him. Like God is trying to um, chastise him uh, for, for his feelings. But no, what we really see is that God saw the 10%. And God wanted Cain to process that 90% with God before something bad happens. These questions, why, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? These are words of invitation to go deeper, to process the emotions, and to know himself better. It's also a loving invitation because God wants to help Cain uh, from falling into sin. God said to him, sin is waiting at your door to capture you, this, this sense of jumping on you, to jump you, basically, and that sin wants to control you, but you need to control it instead. But like I said, Cain did not respond. He did not engage with God. God graciously met Cain in his emotions, he was not judging Cain. He just wanted to engage him, to talk to him, to guide him, uh, and to lead him and empower him. God would have helped him to do something different with his emotions. If only he had stopped and conversed with God, got to process what was going on inside of him, and allow God into the situation. Well, God might not show up and speak to you like he did to Cain, but he still does. His spirit is in you and wants to engage you in the middle of your emotions. He has created you with the full range of emotions, and he wants you to know these emotions so that you can bring them to God and ask him, what do I do with these emotions? And he will lead you and guide you. Left to ourselves, you and I often let our emotions dictate our thoughts and our behaviors rather than getting God's perspective on them. Now back to my pouting and storming off from my parents and from Greg whenever they made me angry, or actually whenever I got angry at something they did. While I wish I could say that I matured quickly, out of that immature behavior, but I didn't. I'm both happy and greatly embarrassed to admit that only this year have I truly confronted and explored my angry behaviors. What I have unearthed with God's help is that the feeling of anger and beneath all of that anger is a deep hurt that comes from my feeling betrayed. So I felt anger because I felt betrayed. And this feeling of betrayal actually stems from a deep hidden belief that I am entitled to people loving me and caring for me the way that I want. Why? Because I've given myself sacrificially to them. The 10% that people, my parents and Greg, 
what they saw was that I was kind and gentle and helpful, uh, and I was obedient. What they didn't see was that I felt resentful and entitled, and I felt that I deserved them to do whatever I needed and wanted from them. When I was able to name that deep, dark secret of feeling entitled, I could then finally bring my emotions to God uh, to receive his forgiveness and to let him guide and change me in those woundedness. Spiritual growth includes experiencing our feelings, reflecting on them, and thoughtfully responding to our feelings under the lordship of Jesus. The emotionally healthy relationship skill that we are going to do today uh, and that you're going to learn is explore the iceberg. Again, the goal is to um, be aware of our emotions with the goal of processing them and discerning God's voice in it. So here's what you're going to do in Explore the Iceberg. You're going to answer four questions, and they are about your feelings. So one, and you'll do this in a little bit at your tables and uh, at home online. Uh, what, are your what are you angry about right now or currently? What are you sad about? What are you anxious about? And what are you glad about? Okay, angry, sad, anxious, glad. These are also in your bulletins. Um, but before you do that, you're also going to answer a question with, with uh, the people at your table. You will share your answer to this question. On a scale of one to five, five being the highest level or the best level, what is your level of awareness of what is going on inside of you? Another way to say it is, what's your level of awareness of that 90% that nobody sees? Okay? So what I'm going to have you do is at your tables or at home or online in our Zoom a meeting, you're going to get together with just one other person because I want you to have plenty of time to think through and then share, uh, explore your iceberg. And uh, you will partner up, and the two of you will have about 15 minutes to talk, so don't, you don't need to rush. You can explain a little bit if you want to say, this, this is what I'm angry about right now, and here's kind of why, okay? So 15 minutes, partner up. If you're at a table and you have to do three and twos, that's totally okay, all right? And then online, if you go onto our Zoom meeting, um, Peng will uh, be putting you into chat rooms for that. If you're at home and you have somebody with you, your family members, do this exercise at home. All right, so 15 minutes, go for it. All right, church, let's come back together. It sounds like you're all having great conversations. And those of you online, I hope that you're having great conversations at home or in the Zoom chat rooms as well. Okay, I want your attention because you have homework for this week. Okay, next week we're gonna learn an, an, another emotionally healthy relationship skill. But for the, your homework this week is to 
practice at least one more time the explore the iceberg exercise. So sometime find somebody this week and share with them, you know, what you're angry about, what you're sad, anxious, and glad about. Okay? And then ask them to share with you as well. Uh, it might be helpful to find somebody who doesn't know this exercise and just explain it to them and then have them do it with you as well. It will be really helpful for them. All right. Um, I hope that you are encouraged by even your learning new skills or brushing up on old skills that you, you once used but maybe have become, uh, you know, getting cobwebs on them like, like mine. Uh, and I hope that you're encouraged by my story that God has been patient with me. And even though it took 50 years for me to really process through and get to the place of God saying, let's really look at the core of why you get so angry, um, that you also have patience with yourself, but that you continually bring it to God. All right. Let me close us in prayer. God, our Father and our Creator, thank you for these amazing emotions that you've given to us. Our lives are richer, deeper, uh, and we connect even better because of our emotions. And so we thank you for them, Lord. And we have many difficult and um, overwhelming emotions that we may not know what to do with. But we know that you want us to bring them to you, to process them, and to discern your voice and your will in all of it, Lord. So thank you for our emotions. I pray over everyone, Lord, in person and online, that you will guide us and go with us and speak to us in and through our emotions. And I pray these things in our dear brother, Jesus' name. Amen.